0: Welcome to Pencil Leadership. I'm Chris Anderson, Success and Lifestyle Entrepreneur, and I'm on a mission to help you realize your full potential so you can leave a positive mark on the world. So if you're ready, take out your pencils and let's begin. And if you want to make a difference in the lives of others, share this episode, go over to Apple Podcasts, and follow us there to leave a positive rating and review. And together, we can leave a bigger positive mark on the world. Terry Tucker is on the show today, and he's going to just um be able to bring a lot of wisdom and motivation for those who might be going through challenges, who might be, you know, facing some ups and ups and downs uh, and how we can still lead an uncommon and extraordinary life. So Terry, welcome to Pencil Leadership today.
1: Thanks, Chris. I'm looking forward to talking with you.
0: Absolutely. And I was going over your bio and things like that again before the show and just you know, just truly amazed with everything you've done and everything you've been through. Uh, in your life to get to where you are today. And so I guess would love for you to share just a little bit about kind of your your journey at a high level. I know you've probably shared this thousands of times, but uh, just for those tuning in who might not know you, uh, yeah, just share a little bit about your journey.
1: Uh, sure. So I, I was uh, born and raised in Chicago. I am the oldest of three boys. You cannot tell this from looking at me, but I'm six foot eight inches tall. And I was fortunate to play college basketball at the Citadel in Charleston, South Carolina, despite having three knee surgeries in high school. And when I graduated, you know, I moved home to find a job. I'm I'm really going to date myself now, but this <laughs> long before the internet was available and i you know i was all set to make my mark on the world with my newly obtained business administration degree fortunately i did find that first job in the corporate headquarters in the marketing department of wendy's international the hamburger chain unfortunately I ended up living with my parents for the next three and a half years as i helped my mom care for my father and my grandmother who were both dying of different forms of cancer in terms of my professional experience we talked about wendy's just a second ago then I moved into hospital administration, and then I made a major pivot in my life and became a police officer. And while I was a police officer, I worked undercover narcotics. I was a SWAT team hostage negotiator. Wow. Uh, I then started my own school security consulting business, uh, coached girls high school basketball in Houston. Um, had been a motivational speaker last year, became an author. But for the last nine, I guess almost 10 years now. Uh, I've been battling this rare form of cancer. And then finally, my wife and I have been married for 28 years. We have one child, a daughter who's a graduate of the United States Air Force Academy and is an officer in the new branch of the military, the Space Force.
0: Wow, that is cool, man. So a lot of just experience. Like I said, guys, when I when I started this out, just a lot going on from, you know, MBA stuff to, to teaching to police to you know SWAT team to you know battling cancer a rare form of cancer at that um, and then <laughs> being married for for a couple decades and then having a daughter in the new space space force program that's you know that that says a lot I mean to your character to what you've done just being able to to impact and be a part of so much things I mean author motivational speaker on top of that so okay so where do I want to go from here <laughs> so that's the question uh I I guess the first thing that kind of intrigued me was that was you being on a SWAT team as a negotiator what what was that I know it's gonna be real broad what was that like like that experience I'm sure there was so much angst and, and maybe anxiety with it maybe not depending on on you I guess but how did you deal with those situations? Do you or are do any stand out in your mind that you like remember handling well or anything like that? I'm just curious to to talk about that.
1: Yeah, it was uh it was a great experience and, and I loved it, you know, and, and I wanted to be sort of the best of the best and, and and SWAT, you know, they they get the best training, they get the best equipment and things like that. So when I had the opportunity, you know, I applied and and, mm-hmm. and got on. But many years ago, there was a Samuel L. Jackson was in a movie called The Negotiator, and I always uh-huh. get the question: You know, is that what it's like? Yeah, no, that's not <laughs> what it's like. I, it, it's a team effort. We we go into it with a group of people. Yes, one person is talking to the individual, but there's a person sitting right next to him listening mm-hmm. to everything that's going on and writing notes. And then there's an even bigger group, maybe four or five people, kind of out in the crowd, you know, why are we here? What's going on? Why did this happen? And, you know, you may get a note that says, don't talk about his mother, because that's the, you know, he had a fight with his mother. And that's the reason uh, that we're here. So it's, it's definitely, uh, you've got to be comfortable with silence. Because yeah. what we're trying to do is what they, you know, they always say you talk the person out. Really, what we did is we listened a person. Mm, out.
0: Mm-hmm. We want
1: them to talk. I always talk about it like, As a teeter-totter or a seesaw at the park, when we first start, the person's emotional side is way up in the air and their rational side is down on the ground. You don't make good decisions when you're in an emotional state. So we ask open-ended questions and get them to try to burn off a lot of that emotional energy to where you get to the teeter-totter, at least equilibrium. And if you're lucky, you get it to where the rational side is now up in the air and the emotional side is down on the ground because you make better choices when you're using your rational brain as opposed to your emotional brain. So that's kind of how we did what we did. A couple stories. uh, One quick funny one. Most of these lasted a long time, Uh but this one, this one didn't. I I, I ended up getting on scene because I happened to be working that night. I get there early. I'm talking to the guys, the beat guys that got the house surrounded. Like, what's the deal? It's like, he's drunk. uh, He's got his wife barricaded with a gun like, okay, but we're on the phone with him. We're talking to him. So I I take over the conversation and we're talking. And I get to a point where it's like, I say to him, what would it take for you to come out? Mm -hmm. He's like, give me a beer. (laughs) If I got you a beer, I'd have your word that you would put the gun down, let your wife out and come out. He said, do I have your word I can drink the beer? I said, you have my word. So I gave one of the officers $5 and said, go down and buy a beer. And the tactical guys put it on the front porch. And I got back on the phone with him. I said, your beer's on the front porch, but you don't get it until your wife comes out and you lay the gun down and then you come out. He's like, do I still have your word? You will, you know, (laughs) let me drink the beer. I'm like, absolutely. We never liked people. We negotiated. And all of a sudden the door comes open. Here comes the wife. Here he comes with his hands up. He gets handcuffed, drinks his beer and off to jail he goes.
0: Wow. (laughs) Man, if only all of them were like that, right? That simple, man, that'd be... That's funny though. Uh, I was wondering if that, when you said he was drunk, I was wondering if that's what you're going to kind of go to the path. That's, and it's crazy how like in those situations, I like what you said, you listened the person out more than talked about. I think that's, that's a big part of life. I think if we can listen more than we can talk, I think we can do a lot more good and we can make a a better impact because we can actually understand, you know, the situations uh, that are going on in our lives and other people's lives as well. So, uh, so I, and I think if, mm-hmm. if I can just dub yeah. that
1: real quick. I think that's a good point. You know, w- there's a difference in, in listening. You know, there, there's listening to respond and there's listening, as you said, to understand. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of times we're in a conversation and it's like, you know, hurry up, Chris, say what you're going to say, because I want to get my two cents in. That's listening to respond. You know, when you say something and I'm like, uh, OK, Chris, where's that coming from? You know, mm-hmm. let's talk about, you know, we may not agree or we may agree. You know, let's talk about that that's listening to understand. And if we can get to the point where we're listening to understand, we can do just about anything in the world. But right now we kind of seem to be screaming at each other and we're not getting anything done.
0: Yeah, I'd agree on that for sure. It's just, yeah, too much, especially now with the internet, you can just scream it from your keyboard and not have to really, uh, see the, see the outcome from it a whole lot. Um, but I think that's, that's something that kind of leads into that leading your uncommon life, like being different. And I think listening, you know, to, to learn is uncommon. It's different. And I think that's one thing that we can do to have that kind of that leading of the extraordinary life that you kind of talk about. Um, And so kind of going into that, you've obviously had this, this life that you've experienced a lot, obviously through, through everything. And and even this rare form of cancer that you're, you're battling, um, how, and I know that's a big part of kind of your story right now and how you share that with people to stay motivated, to keep moving forward and, and to keep, you know, pushing on. So how do you do that? How do you lead, you know, an uncommon extraordinary life when you're dealing with, you know, situations that are, that are tough, like your, your SWAT, Uh, situation, maybe not that extreme for people, but, or maybe uh, like a physical challenge, like your health with cancer. How do you do that? How do you show people to do that uh, in their
1: lives? Yeah, I I think we're, we're all going to have pain in our lives and it doesn't have to be, you know, cancer pain like mine, or or even, even an illness, you know, you could flunk a test at school or break up with your boyfriend or your girlfriend or, or not get the promotion at work that you think you deserve. Pain is inevitable. Suffering on the other end, suffering's optional. Suffering's what you do with that pain. You know, do you use it to make you a stronger and tougher and more determined individual? Or do you wallow in it, you know, and and, and feel sorry for yourself and want people to feel sorry for you? It is a choice on how you want to do it. The world doesn't owe you a thing. So you're gonna get to a point in your life where I always talk about finding your, your purpose or your why. I remember. Mark Twain, the, the humorist back in the 18 19, early 1900s, had a great quote. He said, uh, "The two most important days of our lives are the day we're born and the day we figure out why. So many people never figure out the why of their lives. Mm-hmm. And you know they, they sort of, you know, casually move through their lives. And by doing that, their hopes, their dreams, their ambitions become a casualty, of that unplanned living. Mm -hmm. So I always tell people to get out there and find your purpose. But the only way you're gonna do that is to step outside your comfort zones, to do things that make you uncomfortable, that could potentially be embarrassing. I always recommend that people every day do at least one thing that makes them uncomfortable, that that, scares them a little bit, that could potentially be embarrassing. Because if you do that with the little things, when the big things come in your life, and you know you you lose your job, or you know you you lose your relationship, or you know you have a, a spouse or a child die or something mm-hmm. like that, you'll be able to handle those things because every day you handle the small stuff. You handle the small stuff over time. Eventually, you'll be able to handle the big stuff.
0: Yeah, I think, and that's crucial is just starting to implement it in a small way uh, to build build that you know that muscle or or that that habit thing and and so like i know with your story and if you're open to it sharing a little bit about kind of what what you're dealing with with your cancer and and what you've dealt with so far on that journey just to give people an idea of like you're i mean you're you're battling it and and it's been a tough this hasn't just been a uh an easy thing not that cancer is ever easy but um You've gone through a lot of different things with that, just for people to understand your journey more, that you can still keep this mindset of motivation yourself.
1: Sure. So 2012, I'm a girls' high school basketball coach uh, in Texas, and I have a callus break open on the bottom of my left foot, right below my third mm. toe. And being a coach, you're on your feet a lot. So I didn't initially think much of it, but after a couple of weeks when it didn't heal, I went to see a podiatrist, a foot doctor friend of mine. And he took an x-ray and he said, Terry, I think you have a little cyst in there and I can cut it out. And he did. And it was, he showed it to me. It's Just a, a simple gelatin sack with some white fat in it. No dark spots, mm. no blood, nothing that gave either one of us concern. But he sent it off to pathology to have it looked at. And then two weeks later, I get a call from him. And as I said, he was a friend. So the more difficulty he mm. was having telling me what was going on, the more frightened I was becoming until he kind of just laid it out. He said, Terry, I've been a doctor for 25 years. I have never seen this form of cancer. You have hmm. a very rare form of melanoma that appears on the bottom of the feet or the palms hmm. of the hands. I recommend you go to MD Anderson Cancer Center in Houston and be treated. And so I did. And you know, I had the bottom of my foot excised. I had all the lymph nodes in my groin removed. And when I healed, I was put on a weekly injection of a drug called interferon. And basically what interferon did for me is it gave me severe flu-like symptoms for two to three days every week after each injection of the drug. And I took those weekly injections for almost five years. So imagine having the flu every week for five years. And for me, that wasn't a cure. That was just to keep the disease from coming back. Uh, Eventually, Mm -hmm. 2017, I had to stop the drug because it became too toxic to my body. Uh, and the cancer came back almost immediately. 2018, I had my left foot amputated. 2019, the disease worked its way up my leg into my shin. I had two mm-hmm. more surgeries. And then last year, an undiagnosed tumor kind of in my ankle area of my, of my leg grew large enough that it fractured my tibia, my shin bone. And my only recourse right in the middle of the pandemic was to have my left leg amputated above mm. the knee, and I also found out I had tumors in my lungs, which I am undergoing uh, treatment for those right now. So, on that uplifting story, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate you sharing. Just for so people can understand where you're coming from with this, and that you're still, you've built these, this muscle of, of you know, having this mindset, this determination not to give up, to keep going forward, to have that motivation. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost self-motivated type thing, because some some people might not understand uh, or or realize that. And so I appreciate you sharing that. So if you're speaking, to someone, if you're if you're you know on a stage uh, doing your motivational speaking or just in general, how would you how would you approach the conversation or or what would you say to those who might be dealing with something difficult? So they can, you know, continue to stay motivated, to keep pushing forward so they can continue to lead, you know, this uncommon life that we're kind of hitting on.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think one of the things that I learned uh, from all my years of team sports, you know, and I started playing organized sports when I was nine years old and played all the way up until I graduated from college, was the importance of being part of something that's bigger than mm. yourself. And, you know, we all tend to, you know, I've got cancer. Oh, so this is all about me. It, it, it's not about you. It, it, it's absolutely not about you. And I, I think, you know, you learn in team sports that if you don't do your job, not only do you let yourself down, but you let your teammates down, your coaches down, your fans down, your parents down, etc. And if you think about the biggest team game that we all play, it's this game of life. Yeah. And, and I think that's, you know, that's the big thing. Find something that's bigger than you. I am undergoing a clinical trial now of a drug that more than likely is not going to save my life, mm. but very well may help the doctors to you know, synthesize a drug that will maybe save somebody's life five or 10 years from now when I won't be here at all. And I'll never meet that mm. person. But knowing that makes my life bigger than, than, than what I'm dealing with now. It's, it's not about cancer. It's about helping somebody that I'll never know. So I, I try to get people to kind of look outside themselves and how can your experience, you know, you know, there, there's always people looking at you, you, you don't know who that at a nurse recently, who said to me, you know, when I first met her, she was in nursing, she was in the unit I was on, but she was in training. A couple months ago, she was taking care of me by herself. She said, you know, I've got a story to tell you, but I'm really kind of uncomfortable with it. And I'm like, just, just tell me. And she, And she's young. She's about 25 years old. She said, when I first met you, I was going to get out of nursing. I was in a dark place. I'd had a friend die and mm. I was in a really, really bad place. And I talked to my mom and dad. I was going to quit nursing and I was going to go to work for Amazon. And she said, and then I met you and I see what you go through every day, but you keep coming back. And I and I heard your story and I listened to everything that happens in your life. And I knew I was where I was supposed to be. Mm. Now, if she would have never told me that, I would yeah. have no idea how much my life had impacted her. Mm. What life do you have? You know, the life you're living, who do you you know or don't know that's looking at you and saying, you know what, I want to be like Chris. But Chris Mm. has no idea that person's out there. Those people exist. There are people out there that are looking at you and want to be like you. And again, that's part of being something that's bigger than you.
0: Wow. And to have that that mindset of, you know, yeah, I have cancer and, and maybe I won't survive with this treatment or or whatever, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm part of, you know, a solution for maybe generations to come helping people and having that mindset and looking at it that way, instead of like, you know, what can this, how will this affect me or, or what will this change in my life and things like that? It's your, your, your vision or your direction of, it, it might not help me, but it can help people, you know, five, 10 years down the road. And that's just, it's commendable that you have that and just really inspiring, which I guess is why you're a motivational speaker because you can do that and impact through that. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's a really, an eye opening thing, um, to hear you speak about that and, and just, again, that's, that's kind of what pencil leadership is why I started. It was cause I want people to understand they have so much potential and passion that they're not living into because of, you know, whatever fear or, or whatever it is. Uh, and people are missing out because of that. Like if we're not living into our potential and, and what we are created to do or, or what we can do positive in the moment, like there are people who are missing out because we're not taking action on that. And, and so with you just, living it out. I mean, you, obviously you, you kept that, that lady is a nurse now and who knows who she goes on to save uh, or impact that then the, and then those people impact and the ripple effect it just continues from, from you just having the positive uh, inspirational, you know, mindset with things. And so in life, I guess we never, yeah, like you said, you don't, you might not ever see the ripples uh, or yeah. or how it affects people.
1: Yeah, you you may not, and and I mean you're, you're you're looking at me right now. I mean there there's no S on my chest. I'm not wearing a cape. You know, I mean I'm a I'm a human being. I have bad days. You know, mm-hmm. I, I cry. I get down. You know, I, I I get depressed. I just choose not to stay there, and and mm-hmm. and it is a choice. And whenever I get there, I, I, I recall two stories. Uh, one is about a a professor back in the 1950s who did an experiment. Uh, with rats at Johns Hopkins University. It was a very simple experiment. He took rats and he put them in a tank of water that was over their head. And he wanted to see how long they could tread water before they would sink and drown. And, And the average rat treaded water for about 15 minutes. But right as they were getting ready to sink, he reached in and grabbed them, pulled them out, dried them off, let them rest for a while. And then he put them back in that exact same tank of water. And the second time around, those rats treaded water For 60 hours. Think about that. I can only do 15 minutes. That's all I can do. And then I'm gonna sink and I'm gonna drown. The second time, 60 hours, which says to me two things. One, the importance of hope in our lives. We have Mm. to have hope. We have to have something that you know we believe life is going to get better, or we we have a goal that we're we're trying to obtain. And two, just how much more our physical bodies can handle than we ever thought that they possibly could. I I have a friend who's a former Navy SEAL and And we talk about the the SEAL's 40% rule where they say, Mm. you know, if you're at the end of your rope and you don't think you can go on, you're only at 40% of your maximum and you still have 60% left to give to yourself. So whenever you get in that situation, and and like I said, I get there, I'm a human being. I'm not perfect. Whenever (laughs) I get there, I think about how much more I still have left to give to myself. If other people think that same way, there, there's, there's nothing that you can't accomplish if you keep remembering that.
0: Mm, yeah. And I think that's a great, great story and a great study. It's just, it is, it, we really don't even understand, I guess, our full potential. Uh, even when we think we do, and there's just so much more like that next level we can get to, uh, within the mind is such a big part of it uh, and having that hope, like you said. So how do you, how would you Guide people into gaining that hope, or gaining kind of that perspective, or 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 what steps to take to be able to build that kind of muscle.
1: Yeah, I, I remember. I, I know you're from Indiana, and I, mm-hmm. I remember Bobby Knight. You know, was oh, the yeah. basketball coach in <laughs> Indiana. He, he had a great saying. He said, "Mental is to physical as four is to one." You know, it's here's a guy who's teaching players. You know, basically to use their bodies to to make yeah. moves and do things like that and be successful. But what he's telling them is it's not a, it's really not about your body. It, you know, it's it's about your mind. And, you know, I, I always I always think that, you know. Pain is my pain is going to end someday, you know, mm-hmm. man through surgery, yeah. quite frankly, man through medication. In all honesty, it, it very well may end through death. Mm. But if I quit, if I give up, if I give in to the pain in my life, then pain will always be. part of my life and and i talk about what i've learned over these last nine almost 10 years now in in terms of my four truths and and the first one i'll give them to you that i'm on a post-it note i I see every day and they're just one sentence each the first one is you need to control your mind or your mind is going to control you Mm. the second one is you need to embrace the pain and the difficulty that we all experience in life and use that pain and difficulty to make you a stronger person. You know, we have a tendency to want to run from pain. But what if you didn't? What if you did just the opposite? What if you flipped it inside and burned it as fuel and used it as energy to make you a stronger person? That's what I do. And believe me, if I can do it, anybody can do it. So that's number two. Number three is more of a, I guess, a legacy truth. And it's this, what you leave behind is what you weave in the hearts of other people. Mm. And the fourth one is pretty self-explanatory. As long as you don't quit, as long as you don't give up, you can never be defeated. So I like to use those four truths in in making decisions in my life. Should I get involved in this? Am I going to do this therapy? Am I not going to do it? What's going on with that? Those four truths work for me. If they work for you, please feel free to take them and use them. If one or two does, use those and develop your own, but find what is... You know I I guess I look at these truths as they're kind of the bedrock of my soul. They're things yeah. that I can build my life on because I know they're constant. They're not going away, they're not going to change. Find those things in your life. You can do anything you want to do.
0: Mm. Yeah, and those are those are very really good, actionable, I mean, uh intentional things we can do each day. Uh and again, yeah, controlling the mind, embracing the pain. Uh, leaving that legacy, leaving in the hearts of others and then not quitting because then you can't be defeated. I think those are all crucial pieces to just, yeah, living this uncommon and extraordinary life. And I think, you know, it's like the quote I heard uh, kind of going along those lines of like, keep your head up because you've already made it through 100% of all your bad days. And so like you've had all these bad, you've made them through them all. You've made it through all these rough times. Uh, so continue to just keep moving forward. Don't quit and, and have that. And I get—I think a big part, like you said, is the perspective, controlling that mind, seeing the hope, you know, trying to see uh, a positive, a silver lining, um, the obstacles away type thing. I say a lot because I love that quote. And Great book. Yeah, it's a good book, too. And, and so I think all of that just plays into it. Um, and it can be through anything like we can do these for for uh, truths, no matter the level of difficulty you're experiencing. And I think what you said was uh, a big one before those was just embracing the pain. I think a lot of people and myself included have have, you know, steered away from pain, sometimes uh, thinking it will be better, uh, or it'll be simpler, you know, you can you get there faster, whatever it is, but um, there's nothing like improving through that pain, like when you work out and you have to have the pain to get stronger, uh, to, or like me, if you're, if you're trying to do yoga to get more flexible, you've got to, you got to push through the pain a little bit to, to get more flexible. And so I think it's just like that in life with whatever we're doing is to be able to push through that pain. So, um, so what would, I guess if you're, if you're in a room with, with someone right now and, uh, and I ask you, Terry, I'm going through some hard times right now in life what would what would be the one thing that I could lean into or learn from to better my situation, better my mindset where would you where would you direct them Obviously, you have these four truths, um but is there a tool is there is there a book? Is there something that you've found super valuable? uh when when building your mindset that that individual uh would would benefit from knowing.
1: I, I guess maybe I, I could answer that with, with a story. I, I yeah. uh I've always been a big fan of of westerns growing up. Uh you know my mom and dad used to let me stay up and watch gunsmoke and wild, wow west <laughs> yes. things like bananza. that. Bonanza. Yeah bananza exactly nice. now I'm really dating myself. Yeah no, that's okay I like them
0: too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but um 1993, you probably saw this movie, the movie Tombstone came out and it starred Val Kilmer as a man Mm -hmm. by the name of John Doc Holliday and Kurt Russell as a man by the name of Wyatt Earp. Now, Mm -hmm. Doc Holliday and Wyatt Earp were two living, breathing human beings who walked on the face of the earth. They're not made up characters for the movie. And Doc was called Doc because he was a dentist by trade, but pretty much he was a gunslinger and a card shark. (laughs) And Wyatt had been a lawman his entire life. But these two men from entirely divergent backgrounds come together to form this very strong friendship. And at the end of the movie, Doc is dying at a sanitarium in Glenwood Springs, Colorado, which is about three hours from my house. The real Doc Holliday died at that sanitarium. He's buried in the Glenwood Springs Cemetery. And Wyatt at this point in his life is destitute. He has no money, Mm -hmm. he has no job, he has no prospects for a job. So every day he comes to play cards with Doc and the two men pass the time that way. And in this scene, they're talking about what they want out of life. And Doc says, you know, I was in love with my cousin when I was younger, but she joined a convent over the affair. But she's all that I ever wanted. And he looks at Wyatt and says, what about you, Wyatt? What do you want? And Wyatt kind of nonchalantly says, I just want to lead a normal life. Hmm. And Doc looks at him and says, there's no normal. There's just life. And Hmm. get on with living yours. You know, Chris, you and I know people out there who are kind of just hanging back and be like, you know what? When this happens, I'll have a normal life. When that happens, I'll have a successful life. When this happens, I'll have a significant life. What I'm saying is don't wait. Don't Mm -hmm. wait for what life to come to you. Get out there. Find the reason that you were put on the face of this earth and live it. Because Mm -hmm. if you do, at the end of your life, I'm going to promise you two things. One, you're going to be a whole lot happier. And two, you're going to have a whole lot more peace in your heart.
0: Uh, I love that. Uh, and actually, unfortunately, I have not seen Tombstone yet. And it's funny you
1: bring that up
0: because my brother, we were talking about the other day, and he's like, you got to watch Tombstone. So, but anyways, off that, I think that's a great, a great story to to match with that. And I agree that, you know, we, we've got to get busy living or we're going to get busy dying kind of, kind of thing. And so um, with that, and it ties in perfectly. So as kind of we wrap up the, the fifth trade of pencil leadership is, is just that we're all created uniquely with a purpose to leave a positive mark in the world. And so for you, when everything is said and
1: done for you here on earth,
0: what do you hope your positive mark is?
1: Right now, you know, I I thought at a point in time in my life, and and I believe this is true, my purpose was to be a police officer. I think Mm -hmm. now with whatever time I have left, I want to put as much goodness, as much positivity, as much motivation, as much love back into the world as I can, and if I can do that, then hopefully my life will have even more meaning.
0: Mm. And it's uh it's again a great journey you're on and what you're doing uh with with your story and what you're going through is is definitely impacting people. I have no doubt there, and I hope that uh at least even just one person listening uh to this will will find a benefit and a positive thing to take from it. So I appreciate you being on, uh, sharing your story, sharing your experiences, sharing your truths, uh, for others to, to, you know, uh, to benefit from. Uh, and so with that, where can people connect with you, Terry, where can people find you, um, and continue to get motivation from you?
1: Sure. So I have a blog called motivational check every day. I put up a, a thought for the day with a, usually a question with it to kind of give you to get you to think about that quote and how maybe that can be used in your day. Mm -hmm. On Mondays, I put up the Monday morning motivational message, which is usually a video or or a story. That's a little bit longer, but I realize people's time is at a premium. So I I try to keep everything short. So motivationalcheck.com will get you to me. You can leave me a message there. You can get access to my social media sites. You can actually even buy my book there if you want. Awesome.
0: Cool. Well, yeah, every, everyone definitely get to motivationalcheck.com. Check that out. Get connected with Terry. Again, Terry, we really appreciate you being on Pens Leadership today and just sharing uh, with everyone about your journey, your story, and, and how we can lead an uncommon and extraordinary life.
1: Well, thanks for having me on, Chris. Hopefully we're going to make a difference in somebody's life today. And if we do that, today's been a good day.